Hello again, this is Rabbi Jeffrey Sachs of Atid with another edition of our Jewish Educators Book Club. And once again, I'm sitting with my friend and colleague, Dr. Yoel Finkelman, who has written an interesting review of a new and important book, not just any book, but perhaps one of the most important books uh, ever published in the history of the Jewish people. I'm not referring to this specific edition, although, as we'll see, I think it is significant, but I'm talking about the Sidur Tfilah, the Sidur Tfilah, the Jewish prayer book, uh, one of the most important um, printed texts, one of the most important resources for Jewish uh, learning and wisdom, and a very, very important tool for uh, Jewish education uh, as we struggle daily, sometimes more than once daily, sometimes even three times daily, with the issue of making davening meaningful, teaching prayer in an effective way. And this new uh, edition of the Siddur, uh, the Korain Sachs Siddur, uh, published by the Jerusalem Publishing House, uh, Korain, um, with the new translation and commentary by the Lord... Chief Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs of Great Britain, um, of I must say, of no relation to me. But once we're making, uh, once we're making, uh, you know, full disclosures, I must say that I do have a professional involvement at uh, the Korean Publishers, although that postdates the uh, publication of this sitter, which I had nothing which I had nothing to, to do with. Uh, Dr. Finkelman, what did you find particularly interesting in this sitter? As you point out, there are new Sidur imprinted uh, every Monday and Thursday uh, in all different languages, in all different formats. What's significant about this volume that we're, we're looking at, the Korean Sachs Sidur? Well, I, I think the, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a, it's just a fine book. Uh, it's pretty, it's attractive, the layout is clear. Somebody paid a great deal of attention to trying to figure out what would be useful for a Hebrew language literate American audience, meaning people who were comfortable with the Hebrew language at the level of reading and perhaps even basic understanding, but did not have the kind of uh, poetic knowledge of Hebrew that, or the, the fluency in Hebrew that would make uh, everything in the Siddur naturally comprehensible. Uh, and to say what kind of a volume is going to be useful for uh, the American uh, modern Orthodox um, uh, synagogue goer. Um, a lot of attention paid to aesthetics, a lot of attention paid to clarity. Uh, um, it's just, it's just an attractive volume, um, which is helpful and I think really makes a difference because tefillah is not only a personal and private experience, not only a religious experience, um, but it's totally tied up with the aesthetic elements. Uh, having something as attractive uh, as, as the current sitter is a, uh, is a, big, you know, it's a big advantage. Um, they use the classic typeset that the Koran Tanakh and the Koran Sidurim uh, in Hebrew have been using uh, for decades. Um, they've lined up a lot of the uh, Hebrew passages uh, with English passages line by line, kind of poem-like lines, in order to make it easy to figure out what's a translation.
translation of what. Um, uh, the commentary is clear but unobtrusive, um, available if you want to glance at it, but not uh, you know, but not dominant. Um, I, so I think uh, you know, I think it's, it's a it's an attractive volume, one that somebody's really thought about in terms of use for the audience for whom it's attended. One of the interesting features is, of course, as opposed to, I think, any other bilingual edition of the Siddur that I know of, the Hebrew text appears on the left-hand side and the English text on the right-hand side. This was for, I understand, aesthetic purposes because, unlike many other Siddur that print the text as one kind of block justified either to the the left margin for the Hebrew and the right margin for the English, the Korean uh, style is to put line breaks after every, after every clause so that the, the prayer itself looks like, like you would print poetry. And because of that, the text kind of grows out the Hebrew from the right-hand margin, the English from the left-hand margin. Aesthetically, it's nicer to have then the white space around the outer margins and uh, it, it does, I think, take a moment to get used to the first time you you daven from the Siddur, but... Uh, yeah, I, I admit I continue to daven also from a current Siddur, but not from this one. I prefer the kind of uh, micro-mini, uh, uh, tiny little uh, three-inch by two-inch edition. But I, I have spoken to a number of people, uh, some of whom said that they found it awkward and got used to it, some of whom said they hadn't really noticed. Um, but I do know a number of fluent Hebrew speakers um, uh, not native Israelis, but people who have been living in Israel for, for quite some time, uh, who had been using a purely Hebrew siddur and have told me in conversation, I don't know to what extent this is representative, but that they have started using this siddur because they find the translation well, and the commentary so useful. Well, there's going to be a new Hebrew-only edition of, of the Sax Korean Sidur, uh, which will supersede the, the earlier uh, editions of the, the, the classic Korean Sidur. So I, I hadn't even realized that. Um, I think one other uh, interesting feature, or significant feature, particularly for teachers, particularly for people that might uh, be in need of good material. Uh, when teaching and explaining tefillah either in the classroom or in the Beit Knesset is the, the lengthy and really thorough uh, introductory essay that uh, Rabbi Sachs writes uh, about tefillah. The background on, on, on tefillah is, uh, I think, a, will be considered a, a, uh, a, dare I say, a masterpiece uh, in terms of the philosophy of prayer, the meaning of prayer, etc. And that, in and of itself, whether you use the sitter or not, whether you, your students have the sitter or not, uh, a teacher is well served to read this essay, uh, which, which is, I think, quite long um, and, and really very thorough. Um, I, I agree 100%. I certainly had a kind of you know, jaw-dropping moments when I read it and say, okay, you know, that... That's what these passages are about. You kind of get so used to them over the course of reciting them day in and day out and day in and day out that, that there's something, uh, there's something, you know, the, the most complicated ideas um, are the ones uh, that when somebody says them, they're so obviously true and they're so clear and they're so... Um, uh, that you look at it and say, of course, that's what this is about. And there were a number of moments uh, in reading uh, 
uh, in reading the introduction where I felt like uh, he had just identified basic themes. God in history. Um, that uh, prayer is never removed from, uh, from living. That prayer is not isolated from how people behave. Um, that uh, the, the dialectic between, indivi- between individual personal prayer and collective uh, uh, national prayer that goes back and forth, um, uh, which I think is really, uh, you know, which I, I just found insightful. Um, uh, you know, there's no doubt that Rabbi Sachs has emerged and is emerging as, has emerged, as really one of the most thoughtful and articulate spokespeople for, uh, for modern orthodoxy uh, around. He's extremely prolific. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's just, again, it's just a pleasure to read something so articulate, so clearly thought out that, that uh, you know, it's the nail on the head. Uh, so I agree 100%. Well, now, you wrote this little review. The review is entitled uh, A Prayer Book of One's Own, uh, where you review uh, the sitter and you say some of the things you've said here, uh, and then you add a different dimension in terms of locating the sitter in terms of a larger uh, ideological struggle between modern orthodoxy and the right-wing brand of orthodoxy in the United States, yeshivish orthodoxy, as epitomized by the art scroll sitter. Now, this review that you wrote, which actually recently got a bit of attention uh, in the blogosphere, we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, was published in a journal called First Things, which not all of our listeners may be aware of. If you, it's a print journal, which is also available online at firstthings.com. Why don't you first, working backwards, tell us, uh, say a word about what that publication is, why you published there, and, and then what you had to say about the larger First ideological First Things is a, is a magazine that was founded uh, by Father Richard John Newhouse, uh, one of the leading Catholic intellectuals uh, in America for decades who passed away uh, a few years ago. Much to the consternation, I think, of, of, uh, of the religious community as a whole, even among his many people who disagreed with him, and many people did disagree with him, there was a sense that he was a serious, uh, sophisticated person for whom the questions of religion in America were central, somebody who you could debate uh, openly and intelligently without, uh, you know, without a sense that, uh, that there was necessarily anything personal, but a real interest in getting at the core ideas. Uh, he was certainly, you know, roughly belonged in the kind of neoconservative camp, and he was very, very interested in seeing uh, uh, a return of religion and religion values to public life, uh, uh, and to read the uh, constitutional separation of church and state uh, somewhat more narrowly than, uh, than is generally called for uh, in more liberal circles. Uh, and he, part of the reason why he founded First Things was for two reasons. One uh, was an interest in seeing issues of public concern in the United States discussed intelligently and in a sophisticated fashion from a religious perspective. And also because he thought that the, uh, the religious traditions within the United States had what to speak to each other about. Uh, and that there ought to be forums in which uh, interested Christians, interested Protestants could learn about issues that were of central concern to the Catholic community or to the Jewish community. Uh, and in fact, when uh, 
was approached by First Things to write uh, this piece, they said, we're interested in the Siddur precisely because it has the potential to be a lens into some of the issues that are of great concern to the religious community at large, by way of the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, and part of the reason uh, why I was interested in publishing there was precisely because when I think about my own Judaism, uh, it's often very helpful to look in somebody else's mirror and say, how are the Protestants dealing with this? How are the Catholics dealing with this? How are Muslims dealing with this? Are there similarities or differences? Uh, and I hope that uh, you know uh, a kind of um, clear, um, uh, non-technical discussion of what's happening in the Orthodox community, would, Orthodox Jewish community, would be helpful uh, for those outside. Uh, and part of the reason why I was interested in doing the comparison to the Art School Center, which uh, I think everybody agrees, first of all, is a uh, uh, is really a fine piece of work. Um, uh, and even if there are disagreements about this or that ideological piece, basically it's functional, aesthetically pleasing, uh, useful, and has dominated the synagogue market for, uh, you know, for several decades. Um, uh, so um, they were interested, and I was interested in saying something about the way in which the, the dividing lines between the different subgroups of American, um, uh, American orthodoxy uh, might have similarities or differences to the dividing lines within other orthodox traditions. Um, uh, in the United States, and that's really where that uh, where that came from. Um, uh, in fact, the uh, the uh, the title of prayer book of one's own is uh, is the as is often the case with these things was the uh, editor's uh, title, and I had actually given it a title that emphasizes a little more the differences between the two um, uh, between the two Sidurim. Um but I think there's little doubt. I think more or less everybody in the Orthodox community who's following understands that uh, uh, that the Sac Sidur is in part part of the subtext is a response to Art Scroll and attempt to do something largely similar but uh, different in certain nuances. And the, the characteristics of the Sidur that uh, most stick out in that regard are the inclusion of uh, the let's say the religious Zionist prayers and rituals for Yom Hatzmaut and uh, Yom Hazikaron and Yom Yerushalayim, etc., mm-hmm. as well as some of the material which Rabbi Sachs calls together, the sources on which he draws uh, in the commentary, which yeah, yeah. you would not find in the Art School Sidor or in any Art School publication, for that matter. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there are, you know, the. F- the four main areas of difference, broadly speaking, between modern orthodoxy and the Haredi community to the right, uh, women's issues, the state of Israel, um, uh, uh, general education, um, um, uh, and, uh, and rabbinic authority, um, are reflected, again, not, not polemically, but they're reflected in the Sidur in the sense that uh, Rabbi Sachs includes the Tefillah Shalom Abdina, the prayer for the State of Israel. Uh, he includes uh, women's uh, zimun and a and a uh, and a ceremony for welcoming a female uh, child. In terms of the range of sources that he's willing to draw on uh, and mention explicitly, he's willing to search outside the Orthodox community for people who have 
you know, wise things to say. And overall, there's a tone that I think tries to empower the person reading the Siddur, the prayer, if you will, um, to have more of a kind of personal input in how he goes about doing this within, obviously, the halachic tradition, uh, than uh, a more, you know, authoritative tone uh, of the art scroll instructions. Uh, again, it's not, it's not a polemical book, and I think that's part of the beauty of it. It's just, uh, you know, this is what Rabbi Sachs believes a Siddur ought to look like. Well, speaking of polemics, <laughs> recently in, a, in an online screed uh, attacking you for, for your explicit, implicit critique of Art Scroll, uh, in, in your review, uh, a, a, a blogger, uh, in a lengthy uh, critique, which was later removed for reasons that are still not uh, clear to me, uh, tried to try to, uh, let's say, place you and your position, either correctly or incorrectly, in a context of uh, you know, a larger debate. Uh, listen, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play down that, for I think, for two reasons. Number one, uh, whatever was written, they really, uh, whatever was written was taken down very quickly, and I think that that's, uh, that's a tribute to uh, whoever wrote it, and, uh, and, you know, they took the high road, and I think that's fine in that regard. Um, I, I think that there is, you know, more broadly speaking, there's no doubt that um, that the subtext, the polemical subtext between the two communities, between the modern Orthodox community and the Haredi community, and the various different points in between, uh, is alive and well. And it's, uh, I think it's good that it's alive and well. Um, uh, contrary to what was, you know, sometimes perceived. I didn't mean it as a um, uh, as a critique of the art school sitter as such. Uh, I meant to suggest that the art school sitter was an accurate reflection of, and a good reflection of the religious worldview uh, of the community that is personally to the right of me, and they ought to have a sidur that is personally, that reflects their values, and I ought to have a sidur that reflects my values. And, uh, and you know, that's you know, that, that makes sense. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I also think, you know, broadly speaking, polemics, uh, when done professionally and with a sense of uh, mutual respect, uh, are a good thing. So I think it's good that advocates of the Art School Center look at this and say, uh, you know, and say, you know, this is not the community that we believe in. These are not the values that we believe in. And we'll continue to use a sidur that reflects our values and other humashim and pimushim and all kinds of other things that reflect our values. Gesund uh, hate. Uh, speaking educationally, pedagogically, uh, leaving you know, those other political issues aside, how might this be of use to the teacher uh, in the classroom, in the Beit Knesset? Uh, let's imagine a teacher in elementary school, middle school, teaching tefillah, teaching both the laws of tefillah, the mechanics of tefillah, the meaning of tefillah, the Beit Wormilim, etc. How is this going to be a uh, resource? Listen, I... I Teaching tefillah is notoriously difficult, if not impossible. Uh, you can, you know, you can make people go through the motions of doing multiplication tables or, or geometrical proofs. Uh, you can't make anybody uh, pray with any seriousness. 
even when you want to and you desire it, it's hard enough. Um, and I, it's not immediately obvious to me that you could take this Siddur into a classroom and use it as a textbook. On the other hand, I think that there are, uh, the commentary is, uh, is in many places superb uh, and, and certainly readable. Uh, and in many informal sessions, uh, in terms of bar mitzvah preparation, uh, there's a lot of use to open this up and ask um, learners uh, to take passages that they're familiar with and to use Rabbi Sachs' commentary uh, and say, you know, what is he saying? To read passages of the, uh, of the introduction and say, you know, what does it say about the enterprise of tefillah uh, as a whole? Um, I, I think that's the kind of thing that can happen within families, within communities, environments for preparation. Uh, it's not obvious to me that it could be done simply in a classroom setting, um, but the advantage, you know, Rabbi Sachs' language is, is, is accessible, but not easy, uh, and it might require a certain amount of scaffolding on the part of older and more experienced readers to help, you know, younger, younger people, junior high school and high school students, uh, capture the nuances of his prose, but uh, but there's a lot of material here, and uh, parents who are interested in helping their kids, uh, you know, uh, teachers who are interested in a clear, concise, insightful commentary on passages that they're teaching, there's a lot of material there. Okay. Uh, the book is the Corain Sachs uh, Sidur. Uh, there's an interesting website if you go to Korean Sidur K-O-R-E-N-S-I-D-D-U-R dot com there's a website where you can look inside the Sidur as it were also uh, listen to a few uh, video clips of Rabbi Sachs describing what it is that he set out to do and of course as well as uh, information about purchasing the Sidur online uh, Joel Finkelman's review of the Sidur can be found on the website of firstthings.com Come. I'll just add an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, follow-up. Uh, at Korain, there are discussions about uh, other editions of the Sidur, uh, other permutations using the same basic uh, format. And uh, the next one uh, that they intend on putting out will be the Rabbi Soloveitchik Sidur, using the same aesthetic and design as, as this edition, with the translation of Rabbi Sachs. But instead of Rabbi Sachs's commentary, there'll be an anthologized uh, commentary on the uh, daily and Shabbat tefillot uh, by Rabbi uh, Soloveitchik, meaning others will have culled together his teachings on tefillah, and they'll put this out uh, similar to the Machzorim for Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, which were put out, um, and this will be put out uh, uh, by Korain together in cooperation with the uh, Orthodox Union, which, by the way, was also the co-publisher of this original Sachs uh, Sidur. So we recommend these uh, these websites uh, to visit for more information and to read about the the issues that we have uh, discussed today. Thank you for listening and tune back in for another upcoming edition of our Jewish Educators Book Club.